you would please take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. We certainly appreciate the privilege of being here with you and the opportunity to preach the Word of God. That is certainly a blessing and a gift that God has allowed. I never thought I would say in my lifetime that a skit prepared the way for my sermon. And I'm embarrassed to say it tonight, but it's, it's, it's true, it's true. Um, and what many, of you, what many of you may not be aware of is that skit was supposed to be done yesterday. And for reasons that we won't go into, um, he was thankful it was today, okay? He said something about it had to be in the oven and cook, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That apparently it's a gift to do a skit like that. But, but uh, historically, historically, people used to, um, when, when folks in church had disagreements, it was typically over doctrine. You know, a pastor preached Calvinism and people didn't want to be in a church that preached Calvinism. And they would hash out Bible verses. And if they couldn't agree to disagree, they would part ways. I find today, and I think this is an indication of a decline. And I think it's an indication that we're getting closer, you know, to the Lord's coming. Um, the, I, I've had a lot, and this is sad, you know, it's, but it's, it's true of every church. I've had a lot more people leave our church than I've had come to our church. And what I find is most of the time when people leave, it's over a personality uh, or over something, um, you know, it's, it's something petty. Uh, a lot of people, I, I, I'm very sarcastic. Okay, and uh, I've I've had people sit me down and and you know kind of complain about my personality. Uh, one man said, uh, "I don't like the way you look when the choir's singing." Wow. I said, "Okay, what do you? I mean, what do you want me to? I'm intense, you know, and and uh, if I'm sitting there thinking about what I'm getting ready to preach, I'm sorry that I'm not doing a hula hoop or you know twirling around. I mean, I'm thinking." And, uh, and so, you know, I've just found, I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. When I got saved, I, I, I don't know if I've told much of my testimony here, and I don't want to take much of my time to do that because I would rather hear what the Bible says than, than my personal testimony. But um, I come from a broken home, and I think I was under the understanding when I got saved that I was, a, I was joining a family now where everybody would always be able to get along they would uh, they'd find ways to get over their differences because we're saved we're all we all love each other we're all happy and I didn't know okay so you know I didn't know I thought everybody was going to get along I didn't know that that wasn't the case and I'm going to tell you, I think, I, this just, again, I couldn't show you a Bible verse where I could emphatically prove this, but I really believe that unforgiveness is perhaps the sin that is killing Christianity, okay? If charity is the peak of Christianity, 
it would make sense, would it not, that the opposite of that, because charity covers the multitude of sins, right? Charity suffers along with people. Charity is looking for ways to get along, not ways to divide. So if that's the peak, and it is, that part we could prove. We could go to 1 Corinthians 13, another passage. We could prove that, couldn't we? So it seems, it seems like the opposite of, of charity would be unforgiveness. Now in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that's, that's not where we're going right now. Obviously we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 1. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 10, and then down to verse number 11, it talks about not forgiving, and it talks about forgiving. And then it says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Have you ever, this is why I like the Bible in its context. Because a device of Satan is unforgiveness. Now here we have in a skit tonight, is this not crazy? We've got a guy laying on a couch that can't forgive anybody. And the reason why we laugh is because it, it hits so close to home. I mean, he did scare me, I gotta admit, he did scare me with the ability to tune into that effeminate voice. That really scared me. You were creepy. <laughs> You were creeping me out for a few minutes there. I got to be honest with you. I was thinking, oh man, he is too good at this. He has, he did not just practice this over the last few minutes. <laughs> this has been practiced before. Okay. So, so that did, it did creep me out just a little bit, uh, how good you were at that voice. But, but that's life. That's where we are. That's where we live. That's why it, it's, it's a skip, but it's not, right? That's, that's just where we live. That's the typical pastor counseling a church member right there, what you just saw. And I can say that because I'm not your pastor. So if you get mad at me, I'm, I'm going back home, okay? <laughs> Unless you call the border, and then maybe I don't get back home, but I'm trying to go home, okay? Uh, as much as I, I do love your country and I love what I've seen, this is beautiful and, and you folks have treated us so kindly. I mean, really you have. And um, I, I don't know what it is in the South, you know, people are nice. Then you go up to the northern part of the U.S. and they're not as nice. And then I guess it's just you cross on over that border and people get nice again. Is that how that works? I don't know. I don't know. Second Corinthians, let's get moving real, real quick. Okay, Second Corinthians. Chapter number one, verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints, which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God, our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies. And I want you to look at this phrase and the God of all comfort. Okay, that's a blessing in it. I like that. You like that? Okay, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. That's a blessing that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Mm. Mm. I liked it really, really good until he said, now I have a responsibility. He says, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, 
It is for your consolation and salvation. Let's pray. Father, uh, you know that I need your help. Lord, I am beyond inadequate and incapable of doing what needs to be done this evening. And Father, it, humanly speaking, it is impossible for one sermon preached by one man from one Bible passage to meet all the needs that are present. And so we need you to do that, which is impossible. And uh, Father, I pray that you'd help me. Lord, you know my desire. I've wrestled with this, whether this was the right thing to preach tonight. Lord, I, I really believe at this moment in time that this is what you would have me to preach. And so I pray that you'd help me to be a help to your people. And uh, Lord, we'll be sure to thank you. We're going to know that it's, if anything good comes, it comes because of you. Amen. So I pray that you'd do, Lord, I pray that you'd do a work tonight in this meeting house, in this place, that we would walk away and we would say, there's no way that man did that. Only God could have accomplished what was accomplished tonight. And God, help us not to be so faithless that we would say that's impossible. Would you please work this evening? And we'll be sure to give you the glory and the credit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I don't desire to sound like a counselor tonight. I desire to be a Bible preacher. And yet I find that in our day and time, there are times when we would love to preach Bible doctrines and we would love to teach people the deep things of the Bible, but we are so carnal that we just can't receive those at this time because we need something that should be uh, simple, simple. Uh, the, the first thing that I would have you to know is this, okay, hurt pain, heartache, trouble, um, it's inevitable, okay? If you have not been hurt yet, you're going to be hurt. Somebody's going to hurt you. And we live in a society today, I, I've written little things here and there about this because I've had to deal with it so much. We live in a society where we we almost make it a, a badge of honor to be a victim, okay? Something happened to me 10 years ago, and instead of seeking God's help to get over it, instead of dealing with the person that did it, and, and maybe I've got something to apologize about, that person's got something to apologize about, we need to repent we need to embrace and, and, and get things right. Instead of all that, I'm going to go on forever in my pain, and I am going to become a spokesperson to be heard and seen and believed about these things that have happened to my life. And that kind of stuff didn't fly with our great-grandparents. And I think it's a, an indication that there's a decline. Even It's not just women. This is men. This is women. This is boys. This is girls. It's not just the ladies. We would love to say, well, that's just an emotional thing. It only happens to ladies. But I'm here to tell you that men today are more emotional than the ladies are. 
Uh, sometimes ladies can get over things and men just get their feelings hurt and they just dwell there and they live there and they want to talk about, well, 10 years ago, such and such did this to me. That's 10 years ago. What are you, what are you still doing talking about 10 years ago? You say, well, bad things have happened. Bad things have happened to everybody. I'm not trying to make light of your bad things, but if you're upset because I'm not, you know, coddling your bad things over somebody else's bad things, you're showing you got a, you got a problem. And you need God's help with that. Because God never taught us to live a defeated Christian life and just dwell on what somebody did to us. That's odd. That you're idolizing your hurt. Look at my hurt. Well, let's worship it for a little bit. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's think on it. Let's dwell there. I, I was hurt. Okay. We've all been hurt. Come on. I'm a pastor. People say, well, you know, being a pastor, that's going to be pretty cool because everything always goes the way you want it to go. Then I've, I'm doing something wrong because stuff happens all the time I don't like. And I'm not, maybe I should get this way. I don't know. I, here, being here with Brother Lake, I'm going home and I'm punching people. You know, I mean, that's just how we're going to handle it. Somebody's going to say, I didn't like that sermon. Pop! See, if you say that again, but that's not the way I handle things, okay? I'm a lover, not a fighter, okay? And I, and I don't handle things that way, but I'm thinking about it. I'm, no, I'm thinking about getting one of my men to handle it that way. That's what I'm thinking about doing. But things don't go my way. That's the crazy, people say, well, it just always goes your way. you got to be kidding me. Stuff happens all the time that's not the way I like it. If it was my way or the highway, you, man, people would be in meetings in my office all the time. I'd say, why did your child look like that while I was preaching? Yeah, I'm talking to you, right? I remember our pastor, uh, my, my pastor, he went on a Baptist history tour and he learned a lot about the sacrifices that our forefathers had made for the faith. And he came back to the church and he, man, he is fired up. And he reminds me a lot of Brother Carlson because, you know, he's kind of calm, you know, and, and he's methodical, and, but not this time. He was unhinged. I'm telling you, there was a young boy on the front row reading a book. No. You don't do that. Maybe the week before the pastor goes on a Baptist history tour, read the book. But the week after the pastor came back from the Baptist history tour, you better be looking like you're engaged. Yeah. You better be looking like you'd break ice to get baptized. Okay? <laughs> I mean, you better look like you'd be burnt at the stake, clapping your hands, rejoicing. No, he's reading a book. Our pastor goes, we had, we had a, a tree over here and a tree over here. I don't know why, there was a little, if there's a bird in one of these, I'm sorry. But there was a little bird in the tree. Our pastor goes down and gets the book out. Can you imagine being the parent? Of, the guy was almost the assistant pastor. That's how bad it was. But the pastor goes down and gets the book out of the boy's hand. And man, he just starts off. He said, I'm telling you right now, there are people that have died for the faith. And we got children reading books on the front row. He threw the book across the room. Almost killed the, I mean, it was a dead bird in the tree anyway, but it almost killed the fake bird. Now, you got to understand, I was sort of new to the church. That's the only time they ever let me in the sound booth, and it was up high. And I am standing up going, yes! Because that wasn't my child. Okay? 
But here's what he said, and if the parents don't like it, it's, we're a small church. Everybody knew who the parents were. If the parents don't like it, you can meet me in my office after the service. Well, yeah, I'm liking this, right? But that's not where we live anymore. I'm just thinking about, I mean, I'd split my church Sunday if I went in there and took a book out of a boy's hand and threw it across the room. And then they'd talk all about it on the internet. Man, I'd be, there'd be pictures of me wanted by the FBI. This mean pastor threw a book. It's a different world. Because you get your feelings hurt. And it becomes God to you. You just stay there. Well, such and such said something mean to me in church. When haven't people said mean things to you at church? It's just what we do. It's how we roll. Okay? I mean, you're hurting. Let me dig in a little deeper on that. I don't know why we're that way. We're insensitive, right? Come on, it's true. Somebody said something mean to you this week. Surely, if not, you tell me. We'll fix that. If you have not been offended this week, you just let me know. We will find a way. to No, it just happens. It's inevitable, guys. It's going to happen. I mean, look in the passage, okay? Look at what it says there in verse number four. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Doesn't that sound like you're going to have problems? So you're going to have tribulation. Okay, look at verse number four. It says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Okay, people are going to be in trouble. People are going to be in tribulations. Look at verse number five. It says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. Does that sound pleasant? I mean, okay, if you're super spiritual, yes, brother, that's a blessing. We praise God for that. Okay, sure, I get it. And you're praising God for tribulation, and you're praising God for trouble because you're super spiritual, but we don't really like it. I don't like it. I like it when everybody's happy. I've never seen it, but that would be pretty neat. It would be pretty neat. In my mind, I dream of it, okay? And I, I got to tell you, as a pastor, I have nightmares about church people. I'm not joking. Me, my, my, son, my oldest son, not my youngest son, my oldest son, uh, he's 23 years old. And in my latest nightmare, because we had uh, somebody got mad and didn't, they, they, his problem. I'll just leave it there. And I'm dreaming about this lady. This lady is attacking me and my son. She's eating us. In my dream. I'm not kidding you. I woke up just in a panic. That's the kind of stuff preachers go through. So you want to join the ministry? Just thought I'd make an appeal. Verse number six, it says, whether we, whether we be afflicted, Okay, so you're going to be afflicted, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have tribulation, there are going to be sufferings. Man, this sounds so good, right? They are enduring of the same uh, sufferings, which we also suffer. I mean, it's, it's just awful. Look at verse number 7. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, there it is again. It's just nothing but trouble. Verse number 8. For we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble. I mean, look at the bottom of that verse. We were pre this doesn't sound pleasant. We were pressed out of measure. Uh, okay, that doesn't sound good. Above strength. You know, sometimes people say, oh, God will never put more on you than you can bear. I, I don't know about that. I know that sounds cute. But does it not, what does that say? Above strength. 
Doesn't it sound like sometimes things happen in your life that you can't handle? You know, I mean, we know God can handle it. But look at this. This, I mean, this is horrible. Insomuch that we despaired even of life. Those guys don't even sound like they're saved. They sound so miserable. Look at verse 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. So can I just say, trouble's coming. Trouble's coming. Hurt's coming. Uh, our, uh, our oldest daughter, it breaks my heart, really. It, does, it, it breaks my heart. Our oldest daughter, uh, since the time she was a little big girl, she has desired so strongly to be a mom. And, um, and uh, I, I can't remember all the dates, so forgive me. But she, she was at the house, and she she's, makes sure we're all there together on the porch. And she shows us a pregnancy test. Oh, man, it's positive. Wow. I mean, like, we've hit the jackpot. A baby's coming, right? And she's excited. We're excited. Long story short, she lost the baby. She's got friends in the church. That, I mean, babies are coming everywhere in the church right now. I mean, we don't typically have, again, we're a small church. We're not a big church. But it just seems like even people that don't quite want, I mean, just like everybody's getting pregnant. Except for my daughter. And you know what that does? That hurts her. And you know what it does to me? It hurts me. And she can dwell on it. There are days where she dwells, she dwells on it. That's all she can think about. She's a stay-at-home. You see what I'm saying? And, and someday she'll just call us and she just wants to talk about it. Just pour it out. And we don't have answers for her. You say, well, just tell her God's going to. Okay, you try that. When somebody calls you with a broken heart, hurt as deep as they can be hurt, and they just say, you say, oh, God's going to help. Okay, it sounds good, but that doesn't always solve the problem. She's hurting. And it's coming to all of us in different forms, different fashions. You'll think you're on the top of the mountain, and then the next day you're crashing down to the bottom. I, I've, man, I've, I've done funerals for, for children that weren't supposed to die. Hurt's coming. It's coming. And it's going to come in different forms and fashions. Sometimes somebody's going to do something mean to you. Sometimes people are going to mistreat you. Sometimes people are just going to forget about you. Hurt's coming. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I know it because sin's in the world. Yeah. And it's not leaving right now. Okay? Sin's a problem. Uh, we know it entered the world through Adam. We could, we could talk about that. I'm not going to focus there. But it brings consequences. Uh, the Bible says that man's life is full of troubles. You say, well, I, you know, I want to live a life with no trouble. Um, then you just need to check out. You need to check out. The Bible says in the book of James that we're all subject to like passions. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13, that the temptations that we face in life are common to all men. Guys, we're going to have problems. I wish, I really wish, and I'm not being light hard when I say this. I wish I could get in my vehicle every day and know I'll never have a flat tire. I wish I could get in my vehicle every day and know it's never going to have engine problems. 
or something, it, nothing's ever going to break. We do, we pray when we get in the car and we're traveling somewhere, we pray. And, and I know one of these days God's going to let something go wrong with our car when we get on the road, okay? But we pray, dear God, please help us. Please, Lord, put a hedge of protection around about us. Keep us safe as we go. I know there's going to come a day when either myself or my wife or one of my children is going to get sick and we're going to be separated. I don't look for, I want the rapture to happen. I don't want to have to say goodbye to my best friend. You understand that? I don't want to do that. Um, they're here this week not because of convenience. They're here because I don't like to be without them. Okay? I don't like to get in a pulpit without being able to look out and see my wife. Hurt's coming, guys. And there's nothing you can do to hide from it. I wish I could tell you otherwise. I, and my heart's breaking right now. Thinking that there's no way you can avoid this. You better brace yourself. I, I think about stuff like this. The Apostle Paul, you know, he and Barnabas, they're, you know, they're uh, going down. You know, they're doing ministry together and, and John Mark quits on them. And it's Bar Barnabas' family member. As of right now, as of right now, my entire family goes to our church. I don't know if it's going to stay that way. I mean, God might call one of them to a mission field. One of them might go the way of the world. I don't have any control over this, okay? Right now, I am rejoicing that every church service, I get to see my entire family. I don't know how long I'm going to get to do that because sometimes people quit on you. My pastor told me this. He said, I've had my Judas Iscariots. You're going to have yours. And it was never who I thought it was going to be. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't who I, because I, I, when I became pastor, I said, okay, I, here, here's how this is going to go. Those people are gone. Those people will never go away. And the people I thought would go away are there. And the people I thought would stay, they're gone. And man, it breaks my heart. We moved. We moved houses. I'm just pouring out my heart to you. I hope I'm helping. I hope I'm not hurting. We used to live five minutes from the church. My wife couldn't go to the grocery store without seeing people who had split our church. And they would see her coming down the aisle and act like they didn't know her. And I said, enough of this. If my wife can't even go shopping at a grocery store without, and my children, my children are watching all this. You know, they're like, this, what is going on with this, right? So we moved. We're 35 minutes away from our church now. We live in a county where nobody from our church, well, there's one couple in our, in our church that lives in the same county, nobody else. You say, that's strange. I understand it's strange. Most pastors are looking to get closer to the church. I was looking to get further away from the church. You say, well, why didn't you just quit? Because I don't want to quit. Because I love doing what I'm doing, and I believe God put me at that church. I don't want to quit, but I want my family to be able to go to a grocery store without hurting because people. You understand? People quit on you. Barnabas and Paul, I think they were probably good friends. 
And they, they say, hey, let's go do this again. This, man, that was a blessing. Let's go visit these brethren again. Let's go visit the churches. Barnabas says, yes, let's take John Mark. Paul said, not on your life. That guy's a quitter. Well, yeah, but he's my family and I want to help him. You say, well, who was right? I don't know. Wouldn't you love to be able to take a Bible verse and say, well, I think Paul was right. No, I think Barnabas was right. I don't know which one of them was right. I, I lean toward, I don't know if this is safe to say, I lean toward Barnabas. I think Paul was a no-nonsense kind of guy. I think he was like, if you want to quit, just stay a quitter. I don't care if I ever see you again, quitter. And Barnabas is like, we got to love this brother. We got to help him out. We got to nourish him and grow him up. And you know what Paul says at the end of his life? Bring John Mark. He's profitable to me for the ministry. But sometimes, guys, you, you just part ways. Man, that hurts your heart, doesn't it? I hate that. Uh, Paul had to rebuke Peter. How do you think that felt? I don't care what you say. I don't like rebukes. Okay, from anybody. I just don't like it. I don't like it when anybody looks at me and says, you're wrong. You can say whatever you want to say. Maybe it's pride. I don't, it could be. It could be. You say, well, are you saying you might have pride in you? Same as you. I mean, seriously, I, I deal with it. I wish I didn't. I wish I was the most humble human being on the, on the planet. But man, I don't like it when somebody looks at me and says, you did that wrong. And if you're not comfortable with that, don't get married. Don't you dare get married. Why'd you park in that spot? Because I wanted to. Why'd you go that way? Because that's the way I always go. And you wonder how you get anywhere when she's not in the car with you. She has planted a GPS that also talks in a woman's voice to tell you, turn right. <laughs> so we're going to have troubles, right? Wouldn't you agree on that? We're going to have troubles. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. The apostle said, we, through much tribulation, we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. So problems are coming. You can't avoid them. Hurt is inevitable. Okay? Now here's, here's the beautiful thing, I think. Help is available to you. Okay? You don't have to stay hurt. You don't. And I'm not even just saying, get over it. Okay? That's not, and I'm not. I'm trying to tell you that, that God will help you when you're hurting. Amen. If you reject, that, that's when people become bitter. When they reject God's help, they get bitter. You've heard this, I'm sure. You either get bitter or you get better. Okay? You, if you, God's offering help. God's willing to help you. God's offering this thing called comfort. Do you know what comfort is? Fort. That's strength. Come, C-O-M, that's with. God is trying to put strength with you, in you, to help you get beyond what's hurting you. And if you reject that, you're going to spend your life miserable, angry, full of wrath, bitter, and here's what you're going to do. 
you're going to mess up relationships today based on what happened yesterday. Most of the marital problems that I deal with with, with people, they are upset about things that happened sometimes before they ever even met each other. And they are taking things out on each other that it doesn't even belong there. Right? Let me give you a for example. A man goes to work on Monday morning. And he, something goes wrong at work. He gets mad. He gets in his car at the end of the day. He drives home. He's stewing on it all the way home. Quit that job. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to quit that job. That boss is just. And he walks in the door. And the wife says, honey, it is so good to see you. Yeah. I guess. Well, what's, what's wrong, honey? Oh, it's just a bad day at work. Why are you yelling at her? The children start doing something just a little bit obnoxious because, you know, sometimes they do that kind of stuff. And it's not that big of a deal, but it is a big deal because you're mad. And now you're being mean and hateful and rude and ungodly to your wife and to your children, and they weren't at the job. But that's how, we, that's how we do it. Are you with me? Because, yeah. like I said the other night, you're, you're getting unusually quiet. So that's either really good or it's really bad. So I need every once in a while for you to nod like you're, if, if you're in trouble, blink twice, okay? <laughs> so that I know that you've been, you're in trouble. But I need to know that you're with me. I, I really need that, Okay. Now, here's what I would show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse number 3. The Bible says, okay, so we said hurt's inevitable, but we said help's available. Here it is, verse number 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Wow, I like mercy, don't you? But look at the next part. And the God of all comfort. You know what that kind of tells me? There is no comfort apart from God. So if I'm going to go to my support group because, you know, somebody's offended me and I'm going to tell all my woes and my support group's going to say, oh, we understand. Yes, you're a victim. We're so sorry. Yes, it's been bad. Yes, you're right to be upset. They're not helping you. They're not helping you. God gives comfort See, all people are doing is emboldening your bitterness. They're furthering your anger. They're congratulating you on your heart problem. Rather than offering you a solution to what you're going through. See, God wants to fix the problem. The world wants you to expose the problem. You see, you see the difference? So he's the God of all comfort. And, and then the Bible says right here in verse number 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. So there is a God in heaven that wants to help you when you are hurting. You say, well, you just don't understand what I'm hurting. I get that. I, but but can I, isn't that weird? Can I, can I ask you for a second? Don't you think it's strange when we want to compare hurts so that my hurt looks bigger than your hurt. Isn't that awkward? 
I mean, if, if two people have cancer, they don't go up to each other and say, hey, uh, what, what stage is yours? Oh, stage three? Huh, I got a stage four. You don't do that. That's not something to be excited about. I'm telling you right now, if you don't fix the hurt inside of you, it is a cancer. And if you're going around saying, well, you think you were hurt, look at how bad I was hurt. We're all hurt. But what you choose to do with it makes all the difference. There are so many folks that I, I know in my, that I've known in my life, and, I, and I, this is not fun to say, but I believe it's true. There are going to be so many people that I've known th through my lifetime that are going to die lonely and miserable. Because everybody that loved them and cared about them, at some point or another, they cut them off and they pushed them out of their lives. And then they wonder why nobody cares. Because everybody that loved you, because you were hurt or because you were rebellious or something else, you got rid of them. And now you've got nobody. That's a, that's a sad way to live your life. So here we have a God who says, I know you've been hurt and I know you're going to be hurt, but I want to help you. Will you let me help you? In verse number four, he says, who comforted us in all our tribulation that we, well, let's, let's skip this part right now. Okay, let's skip. Who comforted us in all our tribulation. Let's just leave it right there. Okay, so we have a God that wants to comfort us. He wants to help us. Verse number five, the Bible says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. So whatever level of, here, this is beautiful. As the sufferings of Christ abound, that means they go outside the bounds. You say, well, that's, that's horrible. Okay, but hold on. He gives you consolation that measures up to the suffering. Do you see that? Amen. You say, well, you know, God helped me a little bit. Nope, that's not true. That's not true. God's not in the business of helping people a little bit. God is in the business of whatever your level of suffering is. He says, I'm going to meet that with consolation. Maybe you rejected some of the help. Maybe you didn't want the help. But God says, whatever the level of, of suffering is, I'm going to give you consolation to meet that. That's why the Bible talks about sufficient grace. It's always sufficient. It's always enough. It's always enough. Now, here's what I'm finding in, in my time in, in ministry, okay? I'm finding that people are taking their hurts and they are then hurting other people. Hurt people tend to hurt people. It's just the way it is. That's, that's not good. You would think, naturally speaking, anybody that's ever been hurt would say, I don't ever want somebody else to go through this. But hurt people hurt people. And that's, that's inexcusable. Do you know why? Because the help that God has given you has a purpose. Look right here in, in the passage with me to verse number, verse number four. The Bible says, who comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. But watch this, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 
So here's the problem, okay? No man lives to himself, okay? So if you're hurt, it's going to happen. And you reject God's help and you get bitter. Not only are you hurting yourself, but God was going to give you something to put in your toolbox because at some point somebody's going to cross your path that's going to be going through the same thing you were going through and now you can't help. And in fact, you're going to make it worse. It's not just you that you're hurting. You're hurting other people. I, I, I just provoke, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. What does that mean? That means a father that's bitter and angry and then he takes it out on his children. You know what happens to the children? They get the same thing. God wants to help you. And, and, and the beauty of that thing is when you get help from the Lord, then you cross paths with somebody else and they say, hey, I don't, you, know, you probably don't know anything about this or anything, but I'm going through this. You've got to be kidding me. I went through that. Well, well, what did you do? I went to God. And I took my cares and my burdens and my heartaches to God. And I, gave, I cast those upon him. And in their place, God gave me this neat thing. It's called comfort. And the way God helped me... I'm now going to take that and I'm going to make it as though I am a vessel from God where he passed the comfort to me and now I'm going to pass it to you. And if you're carnal, that's not, this is not good. It's just true. If you're carnal, you don't like that. Because you would rather never go through anything than to have gone through something and now be capable of helping somebody else. It's true. It's true. I don't want to go through anything. Man, trouble starts coming to my life. You know what I do? Oh, thank you, Lord. No, no, that's not it. Not. Why me? And I start complaining about it. It's terrible. I wish I could say it otherwise. I wish I could say, man, I handle it like a champ. You know, problems coming. I'm just, I'm... Lord, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm sure you were in heaven and Satan was, you know, going to and fro. And you said, hey, have you considered my servant Andrew down there? Mess with him for a little while. And I, thank you, Lord. Thank you. When, the, when, when you were thinking of names. But that's not how I am most times because I'm thinking carnally. And I'm thinking selfishly. But if my heart's right, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to show you this right here. The Bible will mess up a lot of your thinking. Look at verse number six. And whether we be afflicted. Okay, if that was the end of the verse, that'd be okay. It is for, what does it say? Your consolation and salvation. You see what he just said? Sometimes God lets me go through something so that you can get help. Are you that kind of Christian? <laughs> we could just close the Bible right now and just say, man, we're a, we're a mess. We're a mess. I have never in my life thought, you know what? I'm going through something right now. I should rejoice in that because at some point this is going to help somebody. 
I just think, well, Lord, couldn't you have just bypassed me with the afflicting part and just dealt straight with them? I mean, if you afflicted them and then you gave them the comfort, they get help. Why do you choose to use, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Bite, just, right? I mean, have you ever known God to miss? Right? I always marvel at that miracle where Jesus says, okay, what do you see? He says, I see men as trees. I think the Lord did it on purpose. I don't think the Lord went, oh, wrong hand, sorry. I think it was on purpose. I don't think the Lord's ever missed. So if the Lord wants to aim at my life and allow hurt because he wants to help somebody over here, a good Christian would say, I'm so glad that God can use me. A bad Christian says, Send that to somebody else because I don't want it. Do you remember the, the man that was born blind? And everybody said, who sinned? <laughs> it must have been charismatics, right? <laughs> who sinned that this man? And he said, no, no, no. It's this way for the glory of God. Are you willing to be afflicted for the glory of God, that God would, would be able to bring help and comfort to strengthen you in your time of hurt, just in case you bump into somebody else in this world that needs help. And sometimes it's not even people that know the Lord, but you can help them. And I don't think that the salvation here in the passage is necessarily being born again. I think it's delivering people from their hurts. Guys, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. And when you do get hurt, God is standing ready to send the comfort that you need to help you. But it's up to you to open the door and let it in. Because if you reject the help, I'm just going to tell you, nobody's going to like you anymore. Because you're going to be hateful, and you're going to be full of wrath, and you're going to be bitter, and you're going to be angry, and you're going to find that people who love you and care about you are getting hurt by you when they didn't do anything to you. You're angry at your wife. You're angry at your children. You're angry at your parents. You're bitter at, at your friends. You're bitter at your family members. And you, you, if I said, why? I don't know why. You ever been in a fight with your wife? Not Brother Lake kind of fight, okay? Verbal, you understand? You ever been in a fight with your wife and then somebody said, well, what? how'd this start? I don't know. I don't know. You know what that is? That's people who are unscripturally dealing with hurt. And every one of us in this room have been impacted by that. But here's the problem, okay? If you've been hurt by somebody over here, 
and you reject the comfort that God would give, you can't blame that person anymore. Because God tried to help you, and you said, no thanks. So, help me out. Who's the problem now? You are. You are. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the scripture and how it helps us. And Father, I pray that you administer to people throughout this room. I don't know what kind of hurts people are going through. Uh, that's, it's kind of a blessing, just to be honest, to be able to come into a place where you don't fully know folks and know what they're going through. But God, I pray, I pray that you'd help somebody. Please help somebody tonight. And we'll be sure to give you the glory for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.